Welcome to The Lorraine Murphy Show. I'm a mentor, four times author, leader of my Bold Darling Mastermind for female entrepreneurs, retreat host, and I've gotten to host this podcast for five years. As with all of my work, this show is to serve female entrepreneurs who want to optimize their energy and their mindsets in order to build the businesses and lives of their dreams. I've walked this entrepreneurial path for 11 years now, and I can tell you that there is a way to have a business you love and still have the space and time for all the other parts of your life that make you, you. Whether your number one priority right now is to scale your business, upgrade your finances, rediscover yourself, find more energy, get more organized, reconnect with yourself, or build a life and or business that's more aligned for you, or all of the above, I am here as your guide on the show to help you make it a reality. Listen in on my dulcet Irish tones as I share tales from the front line of my business and mentoring, behind the scenes insights on how I'm approaching life and business, and speak with brilliant expert guests. Search The Lorraine Murphy Show wherever you get your podcasts. A new episode drops every Friday. Subscribe to make sure you always catch the freshest episodes. Let's dive in to this week's show. Hello and welcome to the, get this, 200th episode of the Lorraine Murphy Show. Oh my God. That is, yeah, I can't believe we're at this milestone together. And I just want to say a huge thank you to you for listening. Maybe this is the very first episode you've listened to. Maybe you've listened to... (laughs) I think some people have probably listened to all 200, which is incredible. But either way, however long you have been on the show with me, I just want to say a huge, huge thank you to you for being part of it, because obviously a show would not be possible without people who listen to the show. So I really do appreciate you choosing this. I know that there are any number of podcasts that you could choose to listen to, and I am so very thankful that you choose to listen to mine. It's my favorite channel. So obviously I do Instagram, I do emails, and the podcast is is my favorite because it just feels really intimate. It feels like I get to go with you on you know into, into your life, whether that's in your kitchen, maybe right now you're cooking dinner, maybe you're on your morning walk, walk walking, listening to me, maybe you're in the car with your kids. I know a lot of people's kids listen to the show, which is really beautiful. And then when I swear, I'm like, damn it, damn it, damn it, I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> So it just feels really, really intimate. And when I am organized, it feels really easy because there's no editing, obviously, other than kind of the basic sound engineering on this, but it just flows. You're not kind of, I'm not agonizing over the right word to choose. It's very conversational, the style of the show. And it's been going since 2019. This is the 17th season that we're in right now. So yeah, really happy and really grateful to be at this milestone with you. So thank you for being part of it. And as a way of celebrating the 200th episode, I am doing an Ask Me Anything episode this week. And oh my God, there were so many questions. And interestingly, so many of them quite across similar themes, if that makes sense. So that will make sense once I get into the episode. Now, before I do dive in, I want to let you know that my bold brilliance two-day strategy retreat is happening in Sydney. It's happening on the 13th and the 14th of February. 
And this is two days for you to get an absolute kickstart, get super, super clear on your strategy for the year and be around other like-minded entrepreneurs who are doing the same thing as well. I have crafted two days of pretty much the very, very best bits of my one-on-one mentoring, as well as some very, very special guests. So we have got the brilliant Rachel Crether, who's a clinical hypnotherapist who I've worked with myself a lot. And Rachel is going to be guiding us through a meet your future self visualization because any strategy in a business, any successful strategy in a business needs to start first and foremost with what is going to connect with you personally and what's going to be sustainable for you personally. So I'm really, really excited for that session. That's first up on the first day. And then we've also got a very, very special panel conversation with three of my seven figure mentees. So these are the women that I work with the most closely who are absolutely blowing my mind with what they have achieved in their businesses. And it's a real warts and all conversation. It's very much a closed room environment where they can tell you what it really takes to scale to a seven figure business and you know all the highs and all the lows that that is part of that. There are two ticket levels. So standard ticket gets you the two day event. And then if you go for the VIP ticket option, you are invited to a VIP dinner on the first evening with me and uh, special guests and obviously other VIP ticket holders as well. And you will also get a 60 minute follow up session with me. So one on one mentoring session, which I don't ever offer. So that's pretty much like a money can't buy for the VIP level of the Bold Brilliance event ticket. So I'm really, really excited for that one. I wanted to let you know about this today, remind you again, because the early bird ticket pricing is finishing this Monday, 15th of January. So at the end of Monday, the end of the day on Monday, that will be switching over to the full price tickets and early bird will not be available anymore. So you can save, I think it's $100 on your standard ticket and $200 on your VIP ticket. So definitely worth, if you're thinking about coming, getting getting in and getting yourself booked over the weekend. And I'm so excited for that, particularly because I'm now back in Australia. And that is my first, I've got my bold darling. We're doing our Q1 planning day together in person next week. Uh, but that February event, the Bold Brilliance event is going to be my first, I guess, open to the public in-person event in Australia in Oh my gosh, I think it'll be a few years because obviously I was in Spain all of last year. And the only events that I did before that, since I was pregnant with Wilder, were retreats in Noosa. So yeah, this will actually be the first kind of opportunity to hang out on a kind of a a smaller scale event, you know, not without fully committing to a full retreat away with me in, yeah, three years. How cool. So I'm really, really excited for that one. So the link is in the show notes for that one. If you've got any questions about whether or not it's right for you, just drop me a DM. I do need to be clear. This is for people who are working on businesses or have established businesses. It's not one for you if you're a professional. Sorry, this is very, very geared at at business owners. Okay, I got a lot of questions, as I mentioned, for my Ask Me Anything shout out on Instagram. And so I've kind of crafted them. I've grouped them together because a lot of the questions were actually quite similar and asking similar questions. So I'm going to dive right in. So the first questions topic area that I'm going to tackle was around Spain and kind of reflections on Spain. And someone asked, was the move back to Sydney earlier than planned? I'm just trying to see who is this. Yeah, Lauren said, congrats on the move back. Was it sooner than you expected? So the answer to this is yes. So our initial plan when we went to Spain was to spend 18 months there because that would get us 
pretty much two euro summers. That was the plan. And we, I've, I've done a whole episode on, oh, I think it was like three episodes ago where I talked about, you know, the decision to be back to Australia and so on. But the headlines, if you missed that episode, were we had planned to be there until June this year, 2024, still getting used to that. And there were a couple of different factors that meant we started to think about coming back a bit earlier. So the first factor was just the sustainability of my work hours in Spain. So I was starting work at depended four, five or six AM. And in winter that was more like four and five AM. It was very, very intense. And just honestly looking at another full winter there and doing those early starts, I just I felt really, really anxious about that. I do think the early starts over February, March, April, particularly as we were adjusting to being in Spain and we all got very sick. We all got the flu in March. And I kind of was I, I feel like I've got a very negative association with working in winter in Spain after that first kind of half of winter that we did last year. So that was the first factor. I said to Wayla, I don't know if I can do another winter doing these early starts. And it was really, really, really tough. The other factor then as well was Wade's role. So he was doing a contract from Spain. He has an opportunity to do another contract and also start a business back in Australia. And that needed us to be back here in order to do that. There were also some challenges with his family over the last two, three months, which were things have settled now. But at the time we were, we were quite concerned and felt like, okay, we need to be back. Wade's an only child. And he very much felt like, okay, I need to be closer to my family right now. So very, very grateful that things have settled. But I think it was a bit of a, I don't say a wake up call, more just a, it was confronting just realizing for him how far away he actually was and you know as an only child that that feels extra intense and then a couple of other factors were when we moved to Spain Lexi so the Spanish Euro school year starts in September and when we moved to Spain Lexi started school at the end of February so she started halfway through that year and we just really wanted when we came back to Australia for her to start with the rest of her classmates so that was another factor in coming back in January because it meant she could start the, the fresh school year with everyone else. Obviously coming back into summer as opposed to coming back into the middle of winter in Australia. And then the other huge factor was my beautiful bestie Stacy has planned this incredible holiday that she has been talking about. I think pretty much since I met her, she's been talking about this trip. So her and her family, she's got three kids, are going to Disneyland in L.A., and then they are going to Whistler skiing, which is where her and her husband actually met. So this is really beautiful full circle. I've got goosebumps as I'm talking about that, where her kids get to go back and see where mom and dad met, which is really, really special. So she had planned this massive five week trip and it was one of our major goals last year was to make this happen. And she has worked so hard, bless her, so hard to make this a reality. So she's going away for five weeks, her car, her house, <laughs> her wardrobe are sitting here. So we talked about, okay, well, could we rent your house? Because that would be the most amazing soft place to land for us. And that's what we're doing. So I'm sitting here recording this episode in her eldest son's bedroom. I've got some, I think it's some kind of Star Wars Lego next to me. There's a lava lamp. So we're here and it's just been incredible just to have the most beautiful, oh my God, the most beautiful home, just to land into, to have a car. I've even been wearing her clothes because... <laughs> Clara Bede has some of my clothes on the centre coast. She took a suitcase back from Bali for me. 
So it's just been the most incredible soft place to land. So that was a huge factor, you know, not having to Airbnb or be in a real rush to try and lock in a house back in Sydney. It's been amazing. So yes, to answer your question, Lauren, very long answer. This was earlier than planned, but it feels like the timing is is really, really right for all those reasons. Okay, next question is from Yata Bars, uh, is her Instagram handle? And she said, is there any part of your heart still in Spain? And what about Wade and the kids? So I had to laugh when I saw this question because there was a moment... So we made the decision to move back to Australia from Spain in October. And there was a moment in December, early December, where we were sitting having breakfast, the four of us. Wade and Lexi were on one side of the table and I was sitting on the other side of the table with Wilder on my side. And Wade just made this really funny observation. He said, you know, this half of the table is really sad to be leaving Spain, i.e. him and Lexi. And he said, that side of the table is not. (laughs) I thought that's so true. It was like our family of four was split down the middle about who was kind of really torn about leaving Spain and and who wanted to be back in Australia. So I think for me, is any of my heart back in Spain? Honestly, no. And it's not to say that I hated it and the people weren't so beautiful and welcoming to us and the weather and the beaches and all the travel and everything. But my heart's in Australia. And even we went back to Ireland for two weeks for Christmas, which was beautiful. And there's a part of my heart in Ireland, like in Dublin and the... Just all those little parts, as you all know from your own childhood, that make that up in your early life. I mean, I left Ireland when I was 23, I think I left left Ireland. So I've actually lived away for almost half my life, which is just mental. But there's no part of my heart in Spain. It was an amazing adventure. We had beautiful, we created beautiful memories as a family. But my heart's in, in Australia, you know, just coming back. It's like my cells know that I'm home. It's really special. Interestingly, Wade was the one that needed the convincing to do the whole adventure in the first place. And he was the one, of all four of us, he was the one that didn't want to come back to Australia the most. He really found his groove there. He made great friends. He found some even more hobbies. (laughs) If anyone's followed me for a while, you know that Wade is not short of hobbies, but he found a lot of hobbies. He just liked the pace of life a lot more in Spain. And he also had a much more relaxed experience in Spain than I did. He was working a contract which didn't require a huge amount of time or work from him. And like he knew he could get what he needed to get done at a set time each day. So, and then Lexi is interesting. So I started talking to her and Wade and I were talking about moving back to Sydney about, you know, do you want to move back? And she said, yeah, I miss my friends. I want to be back in Australia, like listing all the things she missed. And we made the decision to move back and she was really excited. And she had settled really well in Spain. She made amazing friends. She loved her school. And it was like over November and December, over the couple of months since the decision was made, she really, really settled even more, particularly with her little friends in school. So for her then, she felt a lot more, almost like a 50-50 pull, I would say, of I miss my friends in Spain, in Australia, I want to go back, but I really love it here. And she actually said to me, bless her heart, Mama, I wish I could live in two places. Like, I wish I could be here and also be back in Australia because I want to live in both. So I'm so glad for her that she had such a positive experience. That's no small thing for a six-year-old, she was five at the time, and then turned six in Spain, to move to the other side of the world, a new language, new school, and very different friends. You know, because it was an international school, there was a lot of people from different countries. She picked up a few words of Ukrainian, which is so cute. It was huge for her. And I'm so happy for her that her... I say the blueprint that she has of doing a big adventure like that was that she was incredibly accepted, that she felt very confident in herself, that she adapted, you know. So I'm really, really grateful for that. Wilder, 
is an interesting one. Obviously, it's hard to tell because he's two and a half. He didn't love his school. He used to love going to daycare in Sydney, which is the daycare he's now back in. He used to run to the car when he knew it was a daycare morning. And in Spain, he didn't have that. Like he went, sometimes he was upset going in. I'm trying to put my finger on why he didn't love it as much. I think the bilingual, and they spoke a lot of Spanish in his classroom. I think that would have been a challenge for him, even though he understood a lot of it, which is amazing. I think it was a bigger room. So he had 20 in his classroom, whereas he's used to having, I think, eight to 10, even eight, I think, in the daycare he was in. He's moved on to the big boy room now. So I think there's 12 in the room, but I think there's a lot more kids. And it would just seem to be a lot more stimulating. Like they played music a lot. Like they had a big TV screen where they did like little dances and stuff. So that's my kind of intuitive gauge on why he didn't love it. And I'm really interested to see now. He seems quite happy going back now into daycare again. Obviously, it's all kind of fresh and he's figuring it all out again. So yeah, answer your question. 50% of us in the family have our hearts back in Spain and 50% of us don't. Okay, lots and lots of questions about coming back. Georgia said, can you tell us more about your return to Australia? Yata Bars, again, asked all the re-entry things, reverse culture shock, they call it, which I loved. I hadn't heard that before and I totally get that. Yeah, lots of people just saying, yeah, re-entry, just want to know how you're finding it. So it's obviously very, very early because right now as I'm recording this, we've been in Australia five full days so far and we arrived back on Saturday morning so we flew back straight from Dublin from Christmas, straight back to, to Sydney. So I think the trip back was actually really great at creating like a bit of a pause because Christmas was so busy, like so fun. We had lots of social commitments, family commitments. We had a family wedding, a massive family wedding in New Year's Eve, which was amazing. So there was just a lot on, like it was a busy Christmas, which we fully expected. And it was amazing. But we didn't really stop. So it felt like getting on the plane was for 24 hours. Okay, we are stopping. So we flew via Dubai. We landed back in Sydney on Saturday morning. Wasn't the smoothest of entries. Oh my God. So Lexi has an Irish passport and an Australian passport. And when I met Stace in Bali in October, I gave Stacey Lexi's Australian passport because... The school that we were looking at enrolling Lexi in said that they needed to see, they needed to cite her original passport. I thought I was a genius. I was like, this is great. I didn't want to post it. So I was like, this is great. I'll give it to Stace. Stace can drop it into the school if we need to. So then we are boarding. We're checking in for our flight from Dublin to Sydney. And I give them Lexi's Irish passport. And the lady who's checking us in said, does she have a visa for Australia? And I said, well, no, she's an Australian citizen. And she said, okay, well, can I see her Australian passport? And I said, well, I actually don't have it. My friend has it because we need it back in Australia to enroll her in school. So the lady's like, okay, well, what's her passport number? And I was like, holy shit, I do not know. We have all of our documents, I thought, like scanned in. We've got a whole family travel dossier folder, I call it, in myself and Wade's shared Google Drive. And I realized I actually do not have her passport number. I don't have a photo of it. I have no idea the details on this passport. So I'm calling Wade. He's dropping the, the rental car back. I'm like, do you have it? He's like, nah, if, if it's not on the shared drive, I don't think I have it. He said, I'll see what I can do on the shuttle bus back to the airport. So he gets there and he said, look, I only have her first passport. So like the passport she got when she was a baby. And I was like, okay, well, that could work. Like if immigration can just find her on the system somewhere, at least they know who she is. So thank God we were able to give them that passport. But I was like calling Stace. It was only 5.30 in the morning in Sydney. 
it was like a 20 minute like oh my god we're not gonna be together on this flight and my mom was like you guys have to go like you can't stay back and lose your flight so she said just leave her with me and I'm like I can't just leave her in Dublin like what so my mom was obviously thinking she would fly over with Lexi in a few days time or something I don't know where she was at on it so thank god we got on the plane but then coming back in we had the whole rigmarole then of explaining the whole thing it had to go up three levels of immigration holy shit so yes lesson i have learned and if you are any of you in your family have dual passports please 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 do not do what we did and have your aussie passport or your euro whatever you need to, to get in it obviously ireland's like so much more relaxed than than, than australia but uh, yeah don't do what i did so just a little little public service announcement not to do that so Stace picked us up at the airport, which was so beautiful to see her. She had a little blue. It was very cute. We got the world's biggest taxi for all our luggage. We got back to Stace's. So we're looking for a rental back in Sydney. And because we've got Stace's place for five weeks, I'm like, it's fine. You know, we'll start looking kind of third week of January. And Wade, literally, we landed at eight and he had an inspection he wanted to go to at 9 a.m. He is a man on a mission. We've been in Australia five days. And he has already seen five places and we're seeing two more today. Like, he's a mission. He's a cancer. And it's a whole thing. He explained this to me. Around cancers, like they're crabs. Like they need to have their shell. Like they need their home around them. So it's been really interesting seeing. It's like this primal need that he has to lock in this house now for us. I'm just so grateful that he's taking on the mental load on that. That's just amazing. So we've got a very clear wish list. Say yes, Wade wanted to go do three house inspections on Saturday. And I'm like, babe, please, can we just have one day, please? So we went for our first Aussie breakfast. I had avocado on toast. I had an Australian coffee. It was so bloody good. And then we actually popped in and we surprised our friend Leela's little girl, Shanti is besties with Lexi. And they're just around the corners. So we popped in. I hadn't even like had a shower after flying. Popped in, just said a quick hello to them. It's really lovely. And yeah, we all just went to bed. I set my alarm for us to sleep for two hours. And I obviously woke up in my sleep and switched off the alarm and passed out again. We woke up at half five in the afternoon. I was like, oh God, this is going to be terrible. But we actually slept pretty well. So I'm not going to give you a blow by blow. You're probably like, Lorraine, get to the point. So first five days have been... In equal parts amazing and equal parts tough. Like amazing because it's just like I said, I feel like we're home. It feels really, really good. Seeing friends, like we had Annie and Ryan, more of our besties over for dinner last night with their two kids. And just to see how much their kids have grown up in a year and just how quickly Lexi connected again with their eldest. They're like being friends since they were, God, six months old. That was really, really lovely. And so yeah, that's all the bits have been really beautiful. Like being back on the same time zone for work. I haven't really done much work at all yet this week. I had a VIP day with one of my annual mentees on Tuesday. And that's pretty much been it. I've got another VIP day tomorrow, Friday. I think I've got another two next week as well. So it's been very low key in terms of on, on the work front. And so it's been amazing. And just going into Woolies and just getting all our favorite foods again. has been really, really cool. And then just tough, just like we're all tired. Like we're all pretty tired. Like the kids have been sleeping better than we hoped they would. But they're just opposite ends of the days. Like they're waking up really, really hungry because it's their dinner time. So yeah, like this morning Wilder was up at quarter past five, I think. I took him for an hour or so. And then Wade's taking him out for a walk to go get milk. And I'm recording this. It's funny, you know, I'm like, I don't need to work early in the mornings. And then just with kind of other commitments today. And I was up so early. I'm like, I'm now recording a podcast episode at 7.30 in the morning. But it's bright, which is so nice. So yeah, it's just been tough. Like we're all just kind of acclimatizing massively. And then Wade has had, like he's been sick for the last 
10 days now. Yeah, just coughing. He's been much better the last few days. He was testing for COVID. It's not the vid. I think it's just the last few kind of couple of months catching up with him. And then on Tuesday, my VIP day, the room was freezing. We're in a co-working space, which I love work using, but the aircon was centralized. So it's the whole building, like, I don't know what it is. It must be like a it's at least a 20-story building. It's all centralized. So the room was freezing and I had no way of getting more. My mentee was okay, but she was wearing like jeans and a shirt and a sweater. I'm like, smart lady. So I feel like I actually caught a chill that day. And I know I was like, you can't catch a chill. A cold is a virus. But I just felt like very achy yesterday. And I think it was actually, I was just so cold for like nine hours straight. Feel much better today, which is awesome. So yeah, we're all just adjusting. But yeah, so happy to be back. I think this weekend now we can just kind of have a bit more chill time. I think it'll, we'll, we'll fully acclimatize, which would be great. And someone was asking, who was asking about the reverse culture shock again? I loved, loved that idea. I haven't heard of it before. It was Yadabars, yes. So the reverse culture shock, so the kind of things that I'm noticing or remembering about Australia after being out for a full year, just how early it gets bright here. So in Ireland, it was getting bright at, I think it was like 8.45 in the morning before it was actually like the sun was up, you know, inverted comma sun, given it's Ireland. So it was just bright so early. It's like we're back on the body clock that we love. You know, Spain, obviously people stay out much later. They get up so much later. Like we found it so hard to get a nanny in Spain who would be happy to start work at seven. Like that was just so difficult to get someone who was happy to do that and they were fine with everything else but the early start they were like like I just don't I don't think I can do this <laughs> whereas in Australia that would be like yeah totally fine so yeah loving the bright mornings that's been amazing just the birds like they're just so much more aggressive like the singing in the morning versus Europe like especially in Ireland like they're really soft gentle birds but yeah the the carwangs the God, I'm blanking all my names now. But yeah, the noise in the morning, it's just lovely. You know, that cacophony that you wake up to in the morning in Australia, it's been amazing. The buzz, so we were living in kind of really like kind of seaside area in Spain, so much quieter, obviously. There was no Uber Eats. There was no one out kind of beyond 10 o'clock unless you went to like Benidorm, which is 15 minutes away from where we lived, which was fucking, you know, 24-7 cray. So other than that, it was very, very, very quiet. <clears throat> So I'm just loving the buzz, you know, just the energy of being back in the city. I'm really 100% sure now that I'm a city person and not a country person. I love my little kind of escapes out to the country every now and then, or, you know, the beach or the quiet, but I actually think I thrive off this city buzz. And particularly where we live in Sydney, you know, we're not living on Pitt Street Mall, like it's suburbia, but we're only like a seven minute drive into the city. So I love the best of both worlds that we have and, you know, our suburb beautiful restaurants, bars, cafes, like it's busy. Like I like, I like the busy, I like the buzz. And just the other, you know, reverse culture shock has just been the convenience. Like I got so used to not having Uber Eats. If we went out for the night, like we drove home. If we wanted a taxi, you had to call like the taxi number and book it in the day before, you know, sometimes you would hail a taxi, but yeah, I pretty much just stopped getting taxis. Like we just, just didn't do that anymore. The other thing I've really noticed, and I don't know if it's just our suburb or if it's yours as well, or your city or town, wherever you live, but there are so many like spas that have opened up and not really spas, but, you know, infrared saunas, cold plunge, flotation tanks. Holy shit. Like just walking around, I haven't even Googled. There's four in our suburb alone that have opened up in the last year. It's incredible. And, and I was talking to a friend last night. She said there's another one that's opened up that I wasn't aware of as well. So many. And it's been interesting because I had a mentee years ago called Neil. 
And he had this idea to start an infrared sauna business. And I was like, sorry, what are you talking about? I'm talking pre-Lexi, like I'm talking seven, eight years ago. And him and his partner did it. And they created a business called Nimbus & Co. So you may know there's one in Bondi Beach. They opened in Byron. They've got multiple locations now. And I'm just like, fuck Neil, fair play. Like you were way ahead of the curve. So that's really cool. And I'm just so excited now to try all of them because that's one of my goals for this year is to have a weekly sauna. So myself and my friend Leela are talking about so last year we used to have like a, week, a walk every Monday evening so once our kids were down we were like gone so now we want to tack on a sauna into that evening as well which I'm really really excited about and I remember my PT in Sydney Tegan talking about there's like a private room that you can do where like for you and like six friends I can't remember where it was it was on more like the north of the city where you have your own cold plunge your own infrared sauna and that's if you listen to my my goals episode you'll know I want to do girl fun Friday each month this year and I was thinking that would be such a cool thing to do like just have that private room for yourself it would be amazing and I actually did a sauna back in Dublin it was so cool it was outside so it was like eight degrees on that day and it was this huge barrel sauna this big wooden sauna that fit eight people so more of like a traditional sauna not an infrared one and you go in there and then you jump out and you do your cold plunges. So there was three massive, they're actually repurposed whiskey barrels. And they said the first one, it's run by two gorgeous young guys. The first one was run through a refrigeration system. So it's cold. And then the other two were more like ocean temperature. <clears throat> and it's right by the ocean as well. So yeah, that was super fun. I did the middle one first, like the kind of ocean temperature. And then I worked my way up to doing the cold, cold one, which was so cool. So yeah, yeah, sorry. Observation, reverse culture shock, just how many of these businesses have popped up. I think it's such a great insight into the demand and how people are looking after themselves and creating that space. You know, I talk a lot about the importance of filling our tanks. And I love that there's obviously such demand for people filling their tanks that they're, do- they're doing that. I think it's great. Was really interested in... Yeah, and the convenience piece as well. Like I went to get my hair done yesterday. So excited. Got my hair done and I just sat there in my chair and I ordered my favorite meal from Guzman y Gomez, which is like the burrito bowl with brown rice and chicken and extra guac. And oh my God, it's so good. And it got delivered to my chair 35 minutes later. Like, oh, sh- just the convenience of being back. That's been a big reverse culture shock because in Spain, we had a shop quite near us. Like it was only like a couple of minute walk away, but it didn't open till 9 a.m., and it was closed on Sunday. So there's no, other than like small convenience stores, they're all closed on a Sunday, which I actually quite liked because it, it really forced us to, like I used to do the weekly shop on a Friday afternoon, but it just changed the energy of Sunday. You know, there wasn't like places for you to be going buying. Some clothes shops actually open, but buying food, it was quite nice just to have a day off from the feeling of, okay, you need to be kind of spending money and out doing things. So yeah, the convenience has been huge. Like being ready to go for my hair appointment yesterday because we... Stacey's bringing her car back today. We haven't had a car yet. So I needed to get an Uber over to my hair appointment and just to sit here as I was putting on my shoes and book an Uber. And then two minutes later, it's at the front door. Oh my God. Amazing. Amazing. And just, you really appreciate it when you haven't had those conveniences for for a year. You really appreciate that. I was really interested in the cost of living, like just getting back into supermarkets and seeing, you know, how much are things. So I was kind of touring around Woolies and the local kind of organics place here. I don't know if you've heard Wade and like Wade and Wilder have just come back from their coffee. So you may hear some child, child noise there in the background now. So I was curious to see the prices of things. So I was looking at, okay, our salad leaves, they're a dollar more than they used to be. And so, yeah, I was trying to gauge it. It's a bit tricky because we haven't done like a proper weekly shop because we haven't had the car yet. So I'll be interested now when we go to the markets on Saturday and do like our big produce shop. And I'm going to place our big meat order this week. 
So it'll be interesting just to check, you know, we used to spend this and now it's this. I feel like right now we're doing very much like convenience shopping. So I'm just picking up food each day for, for dinner, for example. It's harder just to to gauge it. But then, you know, for me then, because I was used to converting everything from euros into Australian, for me, things are actually feeling cheaper just purely because of the, the currency exchange. So if I look at, I don't know, something on the menu for breakfast is $15. Like for me, that's 10 euros. So that's kind of easing back into Australia, if that makes sense, because things on surface level do feel cheaper for me because when I convert it back to euros, it, it feels a lot more kind of in line with what we were paying in Spain. And where we were living in Spain was not super cheap. I mean, some things were cheap, like if we went to the local restaurant, the local tapas bar in the plaza, and it was $2 for a really beautiful glass of red wine, or sorry, two euro. So $3 for a really beautiful glass of red wine. And my lashes were much cheaper in Spain. Like they're double the price here in Australia. I'm booked to go for lashes today. My hair was pretty much on par. Taxis were quite expensive. So yeah, I'm just going to monitor that over the next few weeks. And if you've got any questions on that, you're obviously happy to answer them once I've got more of a handle around it. So yeah, there was lots of questions about re-entry to Australia. Had a question on my glow up. So as you all know, if you've listened for a while, I do love a glow up of time. So my last one was post when I just finished breastfeeding Wilder I was coming up to my 40th birthday and I had a mega mega glow up on pretty much every level and I loved it so living in Spain last year I mean 90% of my work was over zoom I had a VIP day with one of my annual mentees in Dublin in August yes and I had my Bali retreat obviously but Bali's like so chill like you don't blow dry your hair in Bali like it's very very relaxed but really, like, I'm just saying work-wise, like, I didn't really make many friends in Spain. Obviously, my family saw me, but there wasn't kind of this own, like, this, I don't want to say pressure, but I didn't have this expectation of myself, okay, Lorraine, you need to be, like, polished and, like, put together. It was a very relaxed year and not necessarily by intention. I took my hair extensions out because I had a hair disaster, hairdresser disaster in Spain. It took me three hairdressers before I found the person who actually really looked after my hair. I'm so glad. I was like, thank you, Marta. I went to my hairdresser back in Sydney yesterday, Sadie, and it took me like 10 minutes to fill her in on my hair, hair adventures last year in Spain. So I was, yeah, I wasn't very polished last year. I got my lashes done because that really helped me at those early mornings, you know, being on Zoom in early mornings, just it made me feel like awake and look awake. But other than that, I was very chill. Like I didn't really have my nails done very often. Yeah. So coming back to Sydney and it just feels like a different energy, like we're starting a new, a new chapter. So it felt like it was time for another glow up. So Sarah has asked, would love to know all the things on your glow up list. So there's not lots. Oh, maybe there is. Let's see. All right. So step one was nails. So I really wanted to have like nice nails, particularly because this month in January, I have so much one-on-one time because I've got my VIP days with all of my annual mentees. So my Magnificence program ladies. I've got five VIP days this month and one next month and they're in person and I've got two on Zoom. So just wanted to feel done. I've got my Bold Darling Q1 day. So, and just psych-wise, I just wanted to start the year feeling done. So I got my nails done. So I've avoided kind of the shell, I've done shellac on and off and stuff, but I've avoided them because I just really wreck my nails. So I'm trying Gel X right now, which are She basically like used glue to put on like a very thin false nail. It's like a bit softer as well, the nail. And then she painted over it with, is it acrylic? I think it's acrylic paint. She said, oh, it's gel paint. Yeah, because shellac will be too thick. 
So I really like them. They are just a bit more like they're not super long. I got milky white. I had no idea what to ask for because I'm not used to like getting my nails done in this way. So I hit the Google or hit Instagram and just screenshotted like five different looks that I really liked and she nailed it. I'm really, really happy. So nails was step one and hair was step two, which was yesterday. I love that. I'm like, yeah, this week has been quite quiet on the work front because I'm literally just doing beauty stuff. (laughs) So I got my hair done yesterday. So my hair was actually really like it was in good condition and it was just a bit more brunette more well slash more natural than I potentially wanted it so Sadie yesterday was so good to see her it was like going home going back to the hair salon so she brightened it so she gave me a full head of highlights she put in some kind of overall whatever you call it like brushed on some color as well and then she put in my extensions actually she didn't oh she did cut my hair didn't she No, she didn't because she put the extensions in. So I had a handful of extensions left from last year. So I took my extensions out in May, May last year I took them out. So my hair has had like pretty much half a year break from them. But we put in way less. So we put in like a third. So I used to have extensions for thickness and length. And when I look back at pictures of myself now, I'm like, oh, Lorraine, you just have way too much hair. I've really gotten used to kind of having it shorter and, and finer. So she put probably a third of what I would normally have back in. And I love it. So it's a little bit blonder. It's a little bit thicker, just a bit more movement. Super happy. And actually, one of my goals this year is to have a weekly blow dry, just so I feel like on and I'm going to jump on Insta more and just feel more confident in myself, feeling like I'm done. But Sadie yesterday was talking to me about the Dyson Air Wrap. I'd love to know if you've got it. Can you please DM me? Because I am, it's in the basket, in the cart. And I'm like, do I, do I hit go on this? Because I worked out the maths on it. If I can blow dry my own hair using the Dyson Air Wrap, then it would pay itself off in, I think, two and a half months. I would have paid it off. So that feels like a no-brainer to me, but I'm very good at justifying spending money as well. So if you have the Air app, can you DM me? I would love to know. If you don't know what I'm talking about, Dyson has, the, they've got the Dyson hair dryer, which you may have seen, which apparently is amazing because it doesn't heat damage your hair. And my hair dryer I have right now is ancient. I think I actually bought it when I first arrived in Australia, which is, oh my God, it's 14 years old. I'm probably like frying my hair, given how amazing the technology is in hair dryers now. So there's the hair dryer, but then there's the air wrap, which is it dries your hair, but it also like gives you big bouncy blow dry. It curls it. So it's pretty cool. I was doing with Sadie yesterday. You go onto the Dyson website and you enter in your hair length, your hair texture. And was that it? I think that was it. And then it basically spits out. So you actually get a personalized air wrap. So you get like the core thing, like the core machine. And then you get for me with fine kind of show just above shoulder length hair it gives you seven attachments for you for your hairstyle so it's really really cool so let me know if you have it please and thank you today there is lashes and then the biggie then is my wardrobe so I actually have hardly any clothes so I said to I think because we've been moving and every time I kind of offload you know what I don't need I donate it my sister scored lots of my winter clothes before I left Dublin but I look at Stace's wardrobe because now I'm sleeping in her bedroom and I'm like oh my god I think most women have, honestly, like 10 times more clothes than I have. And that wouldn't even be excessive. I think that's probably just normal. I have no clothes. So a really big goal for me this year, if you listen to my goals episode, is to have a very intentional luxe capsule wardrobe. So that's what I'm working on. I've got my style muse, who is, I don't know if I I mentioned this in my goals episode. There was a woman called Caroline Bissett Kennedy. She was actually married to JFK Jr. And I am like a Kennedy obsessive. I love Kennedy history. And really tragically, her and her husband died in a plane crash in Martha's Vineyard in 
Bianca was the late 1990s, I think. But she was this incredible style icon of her time. So, you know, pre-paparazzi, pre-Instagram, there's entire Instagram accounts dedicated to this woman. There's a book that just come out this year that I actually want to buy today. So just that real pared down. She was in the PR team for Calvin Klein, which will kind of give you probably a handle on her style. But really, really intention. I really want to build an intentional wardrobe. So that's a huge part of the glow up. And not to just buy stuff because, okay, Lorraine, you need some summer clothes. It's like, no. What are the pieces that you will still be really happy to have in five, ten years time? And Stacey is actually amazing at that. Like her clothes, she's got beautiful clothes. And she, what's her motto? Buy once, buy well. And that's, Lorraine's challenging, challenging that for this year. The other thing is to get back into. So I was mm, kind of consistent with facials in Spain, but I want to get back to my beautiful Corin facialist and be just really just have those facials booked in every single month. Continues in the products I use, which I absolutely love. And then just a plan, like I want to go to a more, what do you want to say? I want to say like a hardcore dermatologist. Like, is there laser I could be doing? Are there peels? Like what's the kind of the next level as well to support the facials and use it before I lose it? You know, really kind of protect what I do have in terms of collagen and all the things. And then interestingly, my mate, Sal Obermeter, posted I was like of course I need to do this she went and did a makeup lesson at Mecca which was I was so surprised by because I mean Sal has sat in endless makeup artist chairs I was like god if even she feels like she needs to learn more about makeup then I need to get my arse in there so she did a makeup lesson where she brought all her own makeup into the person at Mecca she had a makeup lesson she learned about makeup the person kind of went through her makeup kit and like sorted through it I was like oh my god that is fucking genius and from memory I used to get my makeup done at Mecca for photo shoots pre-kids when I have more time to be kind of zipping around the city and I think when you get and I will test this out and I'll report back I think you get whatever you pay for the makeup lesson you get that back in product as well so you get to spend that money on product it used to be like 50 or 80 dollars I think it was 50 so I was thinking ah that's what I need to do because the makeup I've been using has kind of evolved sorry I just like something and I and I start using it I try and use mineral mineral or clean makeup but I'm using the same makeup, some of the same makeup that I've been using for, not the same product, obviously I've got new ones, that would be gross, but for 12 years. So I'm going to do that as well, I want to book that makeup lesson, I think that would be really, really interesting, and just shit that I don't understand, like contouring, like how does that work? You know, similar to what I was talking about the hair dryers, the technology of makeup has just come on so much, and I used to work in Beauty Pure and I love the tech of it, that yeah, I'm sure there's like a million different things I could be doing to update my makeup look as well, so I'm really excited to do that. And then there's all the health stuff. So I'm booking in for bloods, going back to my naturopath just to get a full MOT on, you know, all the hormones and the vitamins and the mineral levels and all the things. I'm really excited to do that, to work with Emma for that. And then, yeah, just all like get back to the dentist. I didn't go to the dentist in Spain. We did all that just before we left. So pap smear, all the fun stuff. (laughs) Want to make all that happen. So yeah, that's everything on the glow up list. Sarah, I think asked that question. Yes, thank you. Okay. Oh my gosh. So many questions on my psychedelics experience last year. Lisa has asked about this. James has asked about this. Yeah. A lot of people have asked about this one. So I'm going to talk about this from my perspective and not you know, from the people that I did those experiences with, because obviously that's their story to share themselves if they want to. So the first experience I had was, it was interesting, you know, I said psychedelics and A lot of you in the questions assumed I meant mushrooms, which partly I did, but there's a whole raft of, you know, other, other options or no other 
psychedelics as well. So I'd really, if, if you are interested in this space and you haven't already watched it, there is a brilliant documentary on Netflix and I'll pop the link and I'll, I'll pop the name in the show notes. I think it's how to change your brain, I think. And it's by Michael Pollan. So he, I first got to know him as like a real food expert. He had this beautiful motto. It's eat food, real food, mostly plants. And that was his motto for food in one very, very snappy sentence. So Michael Pollan did a six part, I think, Netflix documentary. And in each of the episodes, he researched one psychedelic. So went back to right back to the history of it and where they came from and how they were used. And then from there... He actually tried it. So he worked with an expert in in that psychedelic and he had the experience. So he did um, psilocybin, so mushrooms. He did MDMA. He did LSD. What's the toad one? One of my friends has done it. I haven't done it. It's e- EFT or something like that. I can't remember. It's basically like toad venom. <laughs> but it's like a really short, like you get a 20 minute hit of psychedelics, like mini mushrooms. And as I said, I haven't tried that one, but it's really, really interesting. Like when you go back to the history of these psychedelics and the very positive intentions that they were brought into the world with, and then how, particularly I think with LSD, how I'm going to be quite anti-establishment here for two minutes. So forgive me. How the US government basically started to see this, you know, these 1960s youths who were just super happy and into, you know, the whole like 60s free love, everyone loves each other. Why would we fight? And they realized that these this generation were not going to get behind, you know, war, for example, the Vietnam War. And I'm I'm really making this very, very basic. I, I would love for you to watch the documentary. It's fascinating. And they realized, okay, well, if they're all kind of peace, love and happiness, there's no way they're going to be kind of getting behind the Vietnam War, for example. And that was actually the main reason that LSD particularly was shut down by, by the US government. So it's really, really fascinating. And particularly, there was one, oh my God, such a touching episode of that. Oh, I'm trying to remember which one it was. I think it was psychedelic. It was, sorry, it was psilocybin mushrooms. And how they are using it for people who they've got terminal illnesses and the incredible experiences they got to experience with that and how it has really helped them come to terms with their imminent death and the peace like the incredible peace that those people have found through this form of therapy it's really really incredible and I think this is a whole you know space that I've been exploring because I think it has become more mainstream I know Tim Ferriss has been a huge advocate for the power of psychedelics one of my community is a psychologist and she was engaged last year to work on like I don't call it clinical it's, it's, it's clinical so it's an exploration it's a study into the power of psychedelics when married up with like talk therapy and she said it is just mind-blowing the results that they are getting and her colleagues in that space are getting it's, it's fascinating so <clears throat> that's a little bit of background I've gradually had more and more friends exploring psychedelics as I said in my personal highs and lows episode this was one of my massive highs of last year and that really surprised me you know even when I recorded that episode and I was like I just can't believe I'm saying this but like I got into drugs last year because I just didn't touch anything I had the fear of God in me if you were kind of my age and you grew up in the UK or Ireland you will be very familiar with the Leah Betts story I remember watching that story when I was 13 or 14 on the news she was my age and being absolutely freaking terrified I said I will never touch anything like that and even you know when I was going down the path of trying different things last year like just before I kind of ingested them I had this sense of panic like oh like it was a real what am I saying like a core memory if that makes sense like it was really in me and in my psyche that you you could die like you were going to be on the news 
So that's been even that in itself to dance with that fear has been you know powerful in its own right. So what did I do? So my first experience of psychedelics was last year and I went on a spiritual retreat. So it was a 24-hour retreat and it was with a small group of friends and it was held by a two people who are incredibly experienced in the psychedelic space. And we basically went into a room and the afternoon, yeah, it was mid-afternoon we started and they had worked out the dosage of mushrooms for each of us based on our past experiences. And, you know, given that I had done nothing, they were like, okay, we won't give you very much, Lorraine. And I said, yes, please, because I'm so sensitive to alcohol, coffee, like, <laughs> please don't give me too much. So we took the mushrooms. There was four of us, as I said, friends doing it together. For one of us, it kicked in very, very quickly. <laughs> oh God, it's one of my favorite memories of her. She just sat there cross-legged sitting opposite me. She was across from me. And I could just see her eyes widen and widen and widen. And she just, all she could say was too fast, too fast, too fast. It just happened a lot quicker than she expected. And I was really surprised because then another friend started having her experience. And then me and the other friend, and I was kind of sitting, and then my other friend I could see was starting to have the experience. And I'm like, okay, what the hell? Like, I really thought I would be the first, first cab off the rank here, given my sensitivities to basically every substance possible. And so I lay back and my first experience was just to feel very relaxed And then I started to have a massage from the medicine. I could feel all the areas where I hold tension in my body start to be like needed. Like it was like an internal massage. I could feel it in my jaw. I could feel it in my lower back. I could actually feel it like in my vagina. Like it was just like this really relaxing massage moving, like these waves of massage moving through my body. It was incredible. And then started to, you know, see because we're in this beautiful nature setting, like just to see the trees moving. And I didn't really see the geometric shapes that a lot of people talk about. And I just felt very peaceful. I had some beautiful insights around Lexi and my relationship with her, around Wade. Wilder didn't come up actually. So I was on this really beautiful journey for about an hour. And then the people who are holding the space for us said, like, we will come around after about an hour and offer you a booster, which is basically taking more of the medicine. And you can choose whether or not you want to take it. And when they came around to me and they said, look, would you like more? And I said, look, I'm really enjoying this. I think I'm up for more. So I took a little bit more. I probably took a third of the booster dose. And when you take it, like it's actually like dried mushrooms that you chew. They actually taste really nice. So that was a mistake (laughs) in retrospect. Because what happened, I think, was my first dose hadn't actually fully kicked in. Like I was actually, it was going quite slow for me. And then what happened then is the first dose fully kicked in. And then the second dose kicked in and it was a very different experience for the next kind of couple of hours. It was very challenging. A lot came up for me around time. Like I had this sense of, it was like being in my own head and going, you know, being very conscious of time and, you know, you need to get to this. And and I was like, I was, I just wanted my own head to switch off. It was incredible and scary, like to be so irritated by yourself. (laughs) And there's nothing you can do because the thing with, you know, the journey like that, like you're in the journey, like you're in it, you're committed, you're going, like there's no coming out until you're out the other side. So it's that whole, you know, if you've got the book, we're going on a bear hunt, you know, you can't go over it, you can't go under it, you've got to go through it. And that's scary because it's crazy when I didn't realize this, like you're quite lucid, like while your brain is doing crazy things and you're seeing crazy things and your body's experiencing crazy things, you still got a grip. I, I did anyway. I still had a grip on reality. Like I still knew me. I still know my name. I did definitely have that experience in the first hour of just that incredible oneness with the universe. Like I wasn't Lorraine anymore. I was like this energy that was mixed with the rest of the world and the, the universe and people and nature. And that was 
blissful. Like I would do the experience again to have that experience. It was incredible. And then, as I said, it, it took more of a, I want to say a darker turn, a more intense turn maybe. And then, yeah, I'm just this kind of constant thing around time coming up. Like, And obviously that's something that was coming up for the medicine to heal me with or to work with me on. And I got to the point where I was like, I was, just wanted myself to shut up. Like I just wanted to stop. And what actually happened was I, I passed out. And that could obviously be the medicine. But also the host had said, don't eat, have breakfast, have a light breakfast, but don't eat anything else. And we started the ceremony mid-afternoon. So I eat a lot and I eat regularly. So I actually had a breakfast and I had a smaller breakfast again because I was like in the morning and I didn't have lunch because the whole idea is a lot of people can purge, like they can vomit and that can make you very uncomfortable. So I think it was a combination of I actually experienced a death. It's like for me in that I was dying, like I died and I came back to life, which I know this sounds very, very intense. So I think that's on kind of the spiritual medicine level. That's what was happening. But I think on a kind of a physical level also, my blood sugar was very low. And that was really frightening, you know, coming to and not knowing where I was, what had happened and being aware, okay, Lorraine, you're in your ceremony. You've got this medicine in you. You're on this journey and not being able to just press stop on it. That was really frightening. And and I can still feel that shake. If you've ever passed out, like I fainted a few times, like you just wake up very clammy and cold and it's scary shit. So they gave me some honey. And then after about half an hour, it started to be a really beautiful experience again. And then at that point, then I was kind of slipping in and out. Like I was here, two of us had left the room at this point and I had one friend next to me and I could see she was slipping in and out as well. Like you kind of one minute I was away, I was eyes open. I was in the room. I was very, very lucid and I could close my eyes and then almost like choose to go back into that space. It's really incredible. So we finished, it was dark. (laughs) One of us did the full second dose and she kind of had a similar experience to me. It kicked in hard. So she went for like, I think her journey went an hour or two after hours, the rest of us. I finished, one of us finished quite earlier. The one who started early finished earlier and then two of us were kind of similar and then the other was a lot later. And then that's nuts because we're out of the room. We can see through the glass our friend still having her experience with the two hosts, like holding space for her. And you're just like, whoa, this is batshit crazy. (laughs) What are we even doing? And so I went out and sat down and one of the hosts brought me this beautiful cup of cacao. It was like the best cacao I've ever tasted. It was so grounding. And then she brought me soup and bread and then I was still hungry. So she brought me some chili. So just really grounding, like getting you back in your body foods. And then we all slept with like a big sleepover. We slept in that room again. So we were on these kind of beds, like these mattresses, basically single mattresses. So we slept there that night and woke up the next morning and had a huge breakfast and and drove back to Sydney. So that was the first experience. I'm torn on how called I am to do that again. I would love to have it for the first half of the experience. At the same time, I know that what came up for me was what was meant to come up. So I think I would like to explore it maybe more on a microdosing level, like have a, a dose, like the first dose I had or a half dose and just play with it more, like to go in for a more kind of a lighter experience. But God knows, it could be the opposite, who knows. So that was my first experience. And I know some of the others in the group felt like that was absolutely life-changing and it really cleared blocks that they were experiencing in their lives. I felt just a bit shaken, rattled, what the fuck just happened for a few weeks afterwards. I actually did some kinesiology to clear it and some Reiki actually, which really helped. So I would definitely do it again. I'd be keen to explore it again this year. And then, yeah, just think about what my intentions, because really I went into it going, let's just see what happens. And maybe I should have been more intentional about it. Maybe I should have done a lower dose. I don't know. Okay. That was my first experience. 
Then my second experience was with liquid LSD. So this was very much done more in a like a social setting. And I took two little sprays. It was like, you don't see them anymore. And maybe it was a more of a European thing. But those little breath sprays, I don't know if you've ever seen them, were like these little metallic canisters that you used to kind of buy the pharmacy and you could spray the back of your mouth and you'd have like this fresh breath type thing. So it was like that. And I just took two pumps of it before, as I said, like it was more of like a a fun like social event and I didn't really feel very much and my friend who I did this with said to me it's very light it's the only thing that she does and I just felt very light very happy very present very in the moment very open to having conversations with you know whoever I was engaging with on that day and that night but it was really incredible it was super fun And I think I can be quite self-conscious, particularly, you know, at a social event. And I'd kind of feel like, okay, I need to have, not that I need to have a couple of drinks, but you know, when you just have that first champagne, that first vodka, like, okay, it was like doing the liquid LSD fast track that, like I was already dropped into that. Yay, let's have fun. Let's party. And that was awesome. So I'm trying to pick my favorite. That, That was just a really fun, light, present, uplifting experience. And to have that experience, I drank a little bit of alcohol that day and night, but I woke up the next morning feeling super energized, zero hangover. I was like, oh my God, this is the bomb. (laughs) This is so good. So that was the second one. And as I said, yeah, it was interesting when I mentioned psychedelics and based on the questions that came through for this episode, most people assumed I meant mushrooms. Whereas, as I said, for that Michael Pollan documentary, there's a whole kind of spectrum of different psychedelics that that are available okay the third one i then did was mdma so mdma is kind of half psychedelic so interestingly michael pollan said in the documentary at the end of it that of all the six different psychedelics that he tried that the one that he would continue to do would be mdma so i did this in a kind of partly kind of what am I saying? Like a private setting, partly social. It started privately and then then moved into social. And my experience of MDMA was just absolute joy. Like I described it to a friend who's also done MDMA. And she's like, that's exactly it. It was like that feeling when you're a kid. I remember having this feeling when I was a kid, right? Where it was like a Sunday morning and I knew that all my cousins were coming up for like Sunday lunch and we were just going to have the best day. And it was like this feeling of, I have really clear memory standing in my parents' backyard of this and just like, almost like I couldn't breathe. I was so excited. It's like, oh, yay, like that pure joy. And that's what I felt. I just felt this warmth. I felt this joy. I felt really loving towards myself and towards others. It was, I just felt really happy. I was like, I've just created this happiness. And I don't believe that that's artificial. I feel like what psychedelics do, and I'm no expert on this, but my experience over last year was they just help you access a part of you that maybe during your kind of your day to day or your, you know, you're rushing around your commitments or your social conditioning or your childhood conditioning, it's somehow it's like that door is being closed. And that's what I felt like with MDMA. It was like a door has opened, like this portal has opened in my heart that for whatever reason had been closed and not fully closed, but, you know, partly closed. So I just felt so joyful, so happy. The conversations I had with others who were also taking MDMA, we were able to have like conversations about really challenging topics, but there was no ego, there was no sensitivities, 
there was no drama. Like you could have those conversations with each other and talk about, you know, not even necessarily between you and me and that person, but like talk about things that are, would be really painful for me to talk about. And I could talk about that with other people in a very, I don't know, it's weird. It's like you're detached. I was detached because I wasn't feeling this massive emotional charge of like, you know, fuck them or fuck that. Or, you know, that real like anger, all those kind of resentments, all the kind of negative feelings that can come up when we talk about something painful, particularly in relation to other people or relations with other people. So you're detached. I was detached in terms of, I didn't feel all that emotional negative baggage coming up. But I could think and talk through and feel that person and love that person. It's incredibly powerful. Like, holy fuck. Like, you know, if you could do that with challenging relationships, you know, how much pain would that save? If you've got two people who can sit there and talk about a really difficult issue. You know, I was thinking how many of my friends and community could do that with their parents, you know, to heal childhood trauma. Like it would be like Hoffman process on steroids. (laughs) It's amazing. So as I said, it was just this portal and this potential that I opened up and I went, holy crap, this is amazing. And I was chatting to a friend about it a few weeks ago <clears throat> who has also done MDMA. And she was saying, yeah, that makes total sense. She said when, because I think another word, I don't think ecstasy is MDMA. I think there's similarities, but they're not quite the same, but correct me if I'm wrong. I'm not an expert. But she said when there was a drug that was discovered and it was actually used, it was a, a relationship therapist who was using it in his couples counseling. And he called the drug, this is in the 60s, he called it empathy. And I haven't fact-checked this, but I trust her. She's very smart. He called it empathy. And because he was able to create this environment where these people who maybe, you know, were coming, I mean, you don't generally go to a couples therapist unless you experience some kind of challenge with your relationship. And he was able to create this environment where they could see and feel each other's pain and challenge and really see each other's perspective. And, you know, from the therapy myself and Wade have done like so much of it is just me being able to understand where he's coming from and him being able to see where I'm coming from so she said what happened then was that this empathy drug there was a nightclub owner in New York who was like okay this sounds cool and he rebranded it ecstasy and started selling it to club goers in his club for them to like feel super happy and have like a really great party <laughs> at his club so that was fascinating that experience of that just being able to see other people's perspectives and to really feel safe in sharing my perspective that I wouldn't be judged, that it wasn't going to cause challenges because, you know, everyone is in that space. So that was really, really powerful. And then when it turned into more of like a social event, and it was just super fun. Like you just, I just felt really happy and wanted to chat to everyone. And it was really, really cool. And I didn't experience any calm down from that. Like I felt great the next day. It was like that, the warm and fuzzies that I'd experienced the night before were still there. And I actually felt those fuzzies. Like I could, and I can still connect with it now. Like if I kind of sit here and close my eyes and connect back with that feeling, it's like that door hasn't closed, if that makes sense. Like I still feel like that. I can still access those warm and fuzzies and I could really feel them for like a couple of weeks afterwards. And like the connections that I made with the other people that I had that experience with, like that continued. It wasn't like a a sugar high, like it continued. It was real. And then that's something, it was real. This is real. So that's my experience of psychedelics. Obviously not an expert, but it was a very, very, three very, very positive experiences for me next year. And definitely something that I want to continue to explore. So I'm hoping that that has ignited some curiosity for you. Um, Not expecting everyone to go off and get off their heads on MDMA tonight, but... (laughs) It's interesting, you know, and this is what I really, what excites me about, you know, my work, because technically this podcast is my work, though it doesn't feel like that, is getting to go and try things, you know, whether it's kinesiology or it's business coaching or it's Hoffman process or it's disc behavior profiling and 
to experience that and pass the lessons back you know, to my mentees, to this community on here, to my Bull Darling group. So this is me passing back an insight that I have had. And obviously <laughs> consult your doctor, <laughs> whatever the kind of safety protocol I should be putting on this would be. But the Michael Pollan documentary is fascinating. I really, really enjoyed it. Okay, I'm going to start wrapping up this episode. There's still lots more questions, but I'm going to answer a couple more. Uh, lots of questions about the aura ring. What are the benefits? Do I like it? So yes, I love it. I am like an evangelist for the aura ring. So I know what biometric tracking is because Wade has the whoop, the wristband, and he was very, very pissed that I bought the aura ring and not the whoop. Like seriously, very annoyed. So I love the aura ring because it's pretty. Like a lot of people have complimented me on my ring. They don't realize like what it does. Um, and I wear it all the time. Like I have a Garmin watch, which does some tracking, but I take it off at night. I take it off the shower. The aura ring is waterproof. And yeah, I just wear it all the time. I thought it initially, because it's quite chunky compared to my other jewelry, I thought it would be too clunky, but I'm used to it now. Like it feels good. So the biggest benefit for me from the aura ring is the awareness that it gives me. Like it's giving me awareness around my sleep. Uh, it's given me awareness around my stress levels. It's given me awareness around my physical activity. Um, the sleep tracking I love and, you know, pretty painful when you know, I'm waking up in Spain and I've gotten five hours sleep. But what I realized that really does, it encourages me then. Like I would write off a nap going, that's fine. I'm okay. I'm a bit tired, but I'll push through. But when I can see, like the dad is telling me, Lorraine, you had five hours sleep. It's like, well, Lorraine, have a fucking nap. Like, just go have a nap. So I found that the knowledge is power. You know, it's that Maya Angelou quote, when you know better, you do better. I find that the aura ring enables me to know better and then I can do better. I can support myself better based on the insights that it gives me. What I have found fascinating is the stress tracking. So your aura ring gives you, it starts tracking your stress from two hours after you wake up. And what it does is it gives you four levels of stress. It's like a bar chart. So there is restored, which is where almost like, you know, a hybrid battery on a car, you're restoring yourself. There is relaxed, there is engaged and there's stressed. So restored is obviously the least, you being the least stressed and stressed is the most highly stressed. So the reason I love this is it's given me insights into what actually genuinely stresses me out. And the stuff that I think stress me out, like for example, I don't say stress, but like getting on my ball drawing session, it's 4am. I really want to deliver a great job for them. Like I'm on, like I can feel a bit of adrenaline kicking in, like I'm on. That actually biometrically, I'm not stressed. I'm engaged. What stresses me is the kids. Like if the kids are really, really kicking off, you know, I'm trying to get dinner on the table. They're both screaming. That's a real high stressor for me. And then the other high stressor is probably like no shit Sherlock, but the airport situation in, in Dublin that night, like that was very high stress. You know, rushing, I can see, really puts me into a stress state as well. On the other side of it, what has been so powerful, like I meditate, like I've meditated for years. And I do meditation because I feel like I should and I do feel like a bit better after I do it. And sometimes I feel really better if I've had a really good session. But what the aura ring is showing me is that it actually, when I sit down to meditate for that 10 or 20 minutes, it puts me straight down into restored. Like it's actually restoring me. So again, you know, when I can see that, it makes me want to be more consistent with my meditation practice. The most fascinating one was I was sitting on Wade's lap. We were kind of comparing data because I just got the aura ring and we were like looking at it. And he was showing me his stats and I was showing him mine and I was showing him my stress levels. And I was like, oh, interesting. How did I go from like peak, like peak stress yesterday at 5.45 p.m. right down to restored? And I was thinking about it. I was like, that is so interesting. The kids were kicking off. I couldn't get the jar open on the Posada. Like 
dinner was I was really organized and then it, kids were kicking off so dinner was on the table way later they were cranky they were tired Wilder just wanted me to pick him up I couldn't pick him up because I knew he was hungry and I was trying to get dinner and I put him up on the bench top and Lexi was having a meltdown about something and all the while Wade's getting his hair cut I'm like can you please just fucking come home can you just come home can you just come home can you just come home and he walked in the door at 5.45 and because he just had his hair cut he'd been on his motorbike which gets him really into his masculine energy he was really zen and he just came in, he scooped Lexi up, gave her a massive bear hug. He picked Lexi up. He kind of took one look at me and was like, I'm not going to hug her because she's really stressed, but I'm just going to remove the children from the kitchen. And he started like, he, oh, he opened the jar of Posada. And that put me straight down into restored. Like just knowing he was here, he could hold me, not physically because I was too scary at that point, but he held the kids, he held a space for me. And it put me straight down into restored. I was like, wow, that's really powerful you know, the dynamics in a relationship. And, you know, obviously it can be, be the opposite as well, where he really, really stresses me out if we're having an argument or, you know, we're not seeing each other's point of view or whatever. But that was really interesting just to say, ah, like I could feel my body go, oh, thank God he's home. But then to see it on my metrics was like, wow, that's pretty cool. So I could talk a lot more about this, but I'm hoping that gives you a, a taste of it. If you've got more questions about it, obviously just hit me up on DMs as well. All right, one very, very last question I'm going to answer is someone has asked about hair extensions. I had a few questions on this actually yesterday. And they asked, you know, are they, are they a lot of upkeep? Do they need a lot of maintenance? So my answer to this is, so I get my hair extensions in. So I got them in yesterday. In eight weeks time, I will get my color done and my colorist will color the extensions in my hair. And then in eight weeks time again, so basically in four months time, I will go there. This is a long process. They get taken out. They get washed, they get retaped, like new glue and new tape put on them. I get my hair washed really well. It feels so good and colored. And then my hair stylist will put the extensions back in and trim my hair around them. So that's the process. I use professional shampoo. Like I just use good shampoo, just given my hair is bleached off my head. And that's it. Like I don't have many. I can brush them. Obviously, I don't brush my hair from the scalp because obviously that's going to catch the extensions. But I forget they're there. The only difference for me is they hold water a lot more than my natural hair. So I will find like my hair takes a lot longer to dry if I've got some extensions in. But other than that, yeah, I don't notice anything. I just love them for thickness. I used to love them for length. I like my shorter hair now. But I also love them because my hair can lose a style very quickly. Like if I get GHD curls, for example, it can drop out quite quickly. Whereas when the extensions are in, it like provides this infrastructure, it's almost like scaffolding. So I will still have those GHD curls a week later because it's like the extensions keep them in my natural hair as well. It's really, really cool. Holy crap. Okay. This was a much longer episode. Wade's just messaged me saying your breakfast is freezing. I'm like, sorry. So I'm going to wrap up this episode now so I can go eat cold scrambled eggs. <laughs> the things I do for you all. Thank you so much again for being part of the show. As I said, this is my 200th episode and that is a huge honor and privilege to be able to have you in my world. So thank you. Do also please remember that the early bird pricing for my Bold Brilliant Strategy Retreat is finishing this Monday 15th. So if you want to come, please do jump on and grab then because yeah, would love to have you there. So sending lots of love. Thank you so much again for being part of this week's episode. This is a longer one than normal, but I'm hoping, I'm hoping you enjoyed it and I'll chat to you again next week. I loved having you join me for this week's episode. Please do connect with me on Instagram at Lorraine Murphy Mentor and visit my website lorrainemurphy.com.au for tons of free resources and my reading list of all my favorite books. It would mean the absolute world if you could subscribe and share episodes you love with those that you love. Thank you for listening. Thank you.